Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, the fall will be here before you know it, and the temperatures will start to drop and get a little bit cooler. So swing on by Leon Tailoring to get you something warm that will not burn a hole in your pocket. Maybe it's a nice little bit of a heavier jacket, or maybe a heavier blouse or skirt, or no matter what it is, maybe a nice sweater. No matter what it is, you can get it at Leon Tailoring. You can get it ready-made or custom-made or tailor-made. Just go on in, tell them Abdul sent you, and they'll take care of you, and they'll be happy to do it as well. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, although it's the middle of the month, the homicide rate, you wouldn't be able to tell because we were in double digits so far. And so joining us on the newsline to talk about that as well as last year, what can we expect this year is our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harrison of the Ten Point Coalition. So Reverend Harrison, old friend, as always, thanks for chatting with us. Happy New Year, old friend. Well, Happy New Year to you, too, Abdul. Uh, well, let's take a look at our, our murder rate. There's really nothing uh, happy so far. It seems like we're in double digits, and we're only halfway through January. We had almost more than 200 uh, homicides the last two, three years in a row. Uh, old friend, uh, what's going on? Are we falling back in the same old patterns or what? Well, certainly we are as we start out, uh, you know, the new year, 2023. And, and certainly we were hoping that um, the homicide numbers would be about half of what they are. You know, so far, you know, we have had 11 homicides and one death, uh, you know, investigation uh, and waiting for the coroner's report. That may be number 12. So when you look at, you know, basically the first uh, 16 days, uh, you know, of 2023, um, we're on pace again, uh, based on just the first 16 days, uh, for another year of 200 plus homicides. Uh, we've had about, uh, 48 people shot. Uh, some of those uh, people shot certainly were homicides and 14 people stabbed. So these are not the numbers that we were hoping for, um, as we try to bring down the level of, uh, violent crimes in the city, uh, in 2023. I also want to say, too, uh, that there's an increasing number of juvenile homicides as well this year as opposed to last year. Well, there are, and, and that's a concern that, that we have, you know, and, and we're hearing, uh, you know, all of the city that um, – the, the violence among juveniles is beginning to pick up and, and even uh, some of the uh, uh, arrests or, or juveniles being detained by law enforcement. And, and we're hearing, you know, conflicts and beefs in schools where uh, guns are being found um, both by juveniles, um, you know, and some some adolescents. And, and certainly that is a concern. Uh, you know, I've said, shared with people I've been doing this a long time now. I'm, I'm, I'm an old veteran at do it now. I've, I've been doing, you know, this kind of uh, street engagement for about 23 years. And uh, I, I'm just flabbergasted at the number of young people uh, who have guns now. Um, and they visibly are showing uh, the weapons that they have. And, and sadly, too often, they use them to either intimidate people or sometimes they use them in some kind of crime. So, my friend, where are these young people actually getting these weapons from? Obviously, uh, adults are a whole different creature altogether. Uh, but where are these young people getting these weapons? Uh, what is what is city IMPD, you know, the the gun crime task force doing to get these guns out of the hands of juveniles? We're not we're not talking about adults. We're talking about juvenile juveniles. Yeah, we are, and and and, and you, you can you can buy them on the street. You can buy them from drug dealers. There are people who are, are selling these guns, you know, to these. Uh, um, juveniles because they're, they're you know, this is a way for them to make money. Um, and then also, you know, they're stealing the guns. Um, 
um, and what we call the black market. I, I hear there's just a lot of different ways that these young people are getting a hold of these these guns, you know, and they're underage. And, uh, um, you know, and that's certainly concerning, the, the number of them that are on the street now. And, and I'm not for sure what IMPD and, and the uh, federal task force are, are doing you know, to, uh, you know, try to intervene and, and confiscate these guns. But but I know that every year I, I think they're collecting between two and thousand, two and three thousand guns. They're, they're getting them off the street. But as quick as they, you know, confiscate a gun, they're being replaced. Our guests in the program today is our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harrison of the Ten Point Coalition. We're talking about uh, sort of the city's crime and uh, violence-related issues uh, as we start off uh, the new year. Uh, Reverend Harrison, uh, 222, I believe, murders last year. Uh, not as much as the year before, but I kind of, uh, in, in a weird way, kind of jokingly say bragging about Indianapolis's murder rate is like bragging about being valedictorian in summer schools. Like, what does it really mean at, <laughs> at, 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 the, at the end of the day? What, 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 what happened last year? Obviously, uh, the homicide rates were down, but also if you take in the fact that we had uh, several uh, mass shootings the year before, uh, it, it kind of sort of clogs, fogs the numbers up a little bit. Well, it did. And, and I think as you look at it, we, we probably had about four less homicides a month in 2022 compared to 2021. So we went from about 22 homicides a month in 2021 to about 18 uh, in 2020, 2022. Um, so, you, you know, you certainly you take out those four uh, mass shootings, uh, which was about 18 to 20 homicides in 2021, you know, it brings it down a couple. So, it, you know, there was a little reduction, uh, you know, in homicides. And I think there are some areas of the city that had high uh, numbers of homicides the year before that normally didn't have them. Uh, they kind of went back down to where they normally were, and particularly you look at the, the 75th and Shaylin area. Uh, I think there was a reduction of five or six homicides in, in that area, and they normally don't have seven or eight homicides, you know, a year in, in that part of town. And I think if you can look, you look around town, I think there were several areas like that where the numbers went down in those areas, but certainly in, in the traditional hotspot areas uh, across the city, um, they were still pretty high, uh, except for the other area, which was the 46208 uh, zip code, Abdul. We saw significant reductions in, in that zip code, which is where uh, Ten Point uh, operates. We had a 63% uh, reduction in homicides in, in uh, about four or five neighborhoods. Uh, my friend, uh when we look at uh, sort of the, the, the reduction in crime, what, what do you attribute that to? Is it just, you know, more more policing? Is it more community involvement? Is it more 10-point, or is it all the above? I think it's all the above. I think it's all the above. I, I think you have to give IMPD uh, and uh, a lot of credit, along with other law enforcement agencies and the work that they're doing on the street. And, and then, you know, all of the grassroots organizations, the neighborhood associations, the anti-violence groups, I think all of the groups have contributed in some way to the reduction in violence. I, I think that's the way you have to do it. It's got to be more of a bottom-up approach. We have to address both the root causes of what's leading to um, the violent crimes and uh, address those on the streets that are committing the violent crimes, whether it be groups that are you know, working hard to help redirect their lives and put them on a pathway of success or law enforcement trying to get them off the street so they won't continue to terrorize the community. So I think, you know, when you look back uh, on 2021, 
um, I, I think there was a greater investment in resources um, to uh, grassroots organizations and, and other community groups um, that, you know, do a real good job, I think, of addressing root causes to violence and then groups who do street engagement, what we call the boots on the ground approach, it was expanded across the city because of um, the resources that was invested into it um, through the mayor's office and the philanthropic community. Our guests on the program today is our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harris of the Ten Point Coalition. We're talking this week about, or on today's program, about uh, the city's violence and crime rate. Uh, the murders are double digits so far, 11, possibly 12 so far. Uh, this year, we're only in like the third week of the year. So we're trying to figure, talk to Reverend Harrison and sort of figure out uh, what is going on and uh, what's happening. Uh, Reverend Harrison, uh, another question I had for you uh, is when, when you guys are out uh, on the streets doing your patrols, explain to our audience, if you could, exactly how that works or, or tell us what you can tell us without giving away trade secrets. Let's put it that way. What, what I can tell you is that we normally focus on what is considered hot areas. Those areas tend... Um, to get a lot of police runs. Um, those areas may have um, a neighborhood clique or what you may call a gang, if they identify themselves as a gang, or individuals who may be known as shooters in the neighborhood. Uh, and we tend to focus on that group when we're out on the streets. And we're kind of trying, you know, to do several things. One, build a relationship with them to kind of redirect their lives, their thinking. And and three, we're trying to help them um, settle their conflicts in in a nonviolent way. So those are the things I can tell you that that we do. And and, and it's very targeted, Abdul. We we just don't walk around the neighborhood. Um, We know who it is that we're trying to engage. We know where they're located, where they tend to hang out at. Um, and those are the, the individuals, whether it be individual groups that we really focus on in the areas that we patrol. Um, and, and there's six of those areas that we directly patrol and two other areas that we assist uh, or other organizations um, who uh, do public safety walks. Uh, my friend, I uh, know one of the things that has uh, been a major issue uh, here in the city in Indianapolis, uh, particularly in the state of Indiana, has been the issue of bail and uh, whether we're letting violent criminals back out on the streets again. Uh, as you recall, last year there was a big controversy regarding the bail project and cities giving them money to you know, help them sort of uh, under, underwrite uh, the cost of them doing bail. Uh, you got uh, legislation in the Indiana Senate that would basically get rid of bail for violent offenders, but it would require a, a change of the Constitution. Uh, what, what can you tell us about, about our bail situation and the fact that so many uh, victims and perpetrators, remember when IMPD used to do this all the time before the person retired, they would give us a breakdown of not only uh, the the murder rate, uh, but uh, who had uh, prior prior convictions, whether it was crime against a person, uh, property, felonies, that sort of thing. Well, you, you know, this is certainly one of the hot butt issues in, in the community um, when it comes to uh, justice reform and particularly its impact on communities of color, you know, where there's been some inequities there. You know, and I'm one of those leaders who, you know, we focus on this whole issue of violence. My concern is, is that the people who tend to be either the victims of violent crimes or the suspects uh, tend to be tend to be people who are repeat violent offenders. And and I personally don't think that we are doing a good job here in the city of Indianapolis 
in holding those individuals accountable. Uh, they tend to be arre- get arrested, then tend to be right back out on the street, or they put on home detention with the ankle bracelets, the GPS system, and they really don't abide by that. You see them, you know, out on the streets um, and still involved in criminal activity that led them getting in trouble in the first place, and they tend to have guns, which they're not supposed to have because of the fact they're felons. So I think that is a major problem in in Annapolis, and I think is one of the major reasons we have seen such an escalation in the number of shootings, stabbings, and homicides and murders in the city of Indianapolis, particularly over the last uh, three years, now going into the fourth year. So it is a major concern. I, we, we have to be, address that issue, and there has to be some level of accountability uh, if we're going to reduce um, the violence that tends to plague uh, particularly communities of color. And then it's interesting you bring that because I, I, I always, whenever we have these discussions about uh, about this type of violence, we always hear Abdul, you're trying to lock everybody up. Like, no, I'm not trying to lock everybody up. What I'm what I'm trying to say is, is that if you're if you're if there's there's people we're mad at versus people we're afraid of. The people we're right. mad at, we need a different type of sentencing. But the people we're afraid of, those guys just need to go. Period. Yeah, that, yeah, and, and that's true, and it's true because and the other thing people don't want to talk about sometimes the streets make a decision that something needs to happen to them because the streets don't feel like they've been held accountable. And, and too often when the streets uh, get involved, it's called street justice and it ends in a very tragic way. So it's not just those of us who are, who are saying, you know, we got to have a a better way of of dealing with people who are terrorizing the neighborhood and that's what they're doing. Um, But if you don't deal with them, then the streets are going to deal with them. And I I just feel like we got to really take a look at um, through both the prosecutor's office and the court system, how we are really dealing with repeat violent offenders and what can be done so that they don't continue to be a problem uh, for neighborhoods and the city. Our guest on the program today for a few more minutes is a good friend, the Reverend Charles Harrison of the Ten Point Coalition. Talk about the city's sort of crime and violence, uh, sort of what happened last year, what can we look forward uh, uh, for this year. Uh, Reverend Harrison, uh, when we talk about uh, looking forward, and so like I said, uh, we've got a mayor's race going on. We and I will talk about that a whole other different day. And <laughs> some change here. you got, you got a council race. So obviously crime is going to be a, a major issue going forward. Uh, what do you see? How do you see the crime debate uh, shaping up here in Indianapolis? I think that I think that the the crime debate certainly is, is going to shape around um, the best way to really address it, and and, and uh, you know you're already beginning to hear that. Uh, how do we how do we bring these numbers down? Because right now um, we cannot celebrate you know a homicide rate of 200 plus people when 10 years ago um, this city. Um, well, go back to 2012 and 2012, we're now in the 11th year, you know, we ended with 96 murders. So, so I think the debate needs to be shaped around, um, what is the best strategy that can help bring down the level of total violence in this city? Um, and do we need to go back to some of the strategies that the city implemented, uh, very successfully, I think from about, um, uh, 1999 through about 2012, where we, we've seen 
about 96 murders a year on the average. I think that's what it was in that 11-year span, a 13-year span of time, was about 96 murders a year. Um, And I think Indianapolis, Abdul, was considered uh, one of the uh, innovative uh, cities in the country when it came to their approach to addressing the issue of violent crime. And, and I think we were one of the leaders. I think we can get back there, but I think we got to have a debate uh, about, you know, when it comes to what is the best strategy to bring down the level of violence so that we get it down below what it was pre-2015. And I think that's where you got to look at it, pre-2015. What were those numbers looking like pre-2015? That's where the city should be at. And we shouldn't be celebrating what we're doing right now because the numbers are almost 100 murders more a year than what it was when we look back uh, around 2012, 2013. Uh, final question for you, my friend. Uh, what do you, what do you, what do you hear? What do you, what do your, uh, your, 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 your street folks hear uh, when they're out in the communities uh, from, from just regular people who are just, you know, just trying to make a living? They want safer neighborhoods. I think that's what we hear from people. They want safer neighborhoods. Um, and they want more done about the crime and the violence. It's not just the violence, but the crime in a lot of the neighborhoods in the urban core. Um, they want the same safe neighborhoods like other parts of the city, you know, are experiencing, particularly north of 38th Street. And uh, we hear that a lot. All right. Well, I guess on the program today has been our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harris of the Ten Point Coalition, just giving us sort of an update uh, on crime and violence in the city of Annapolis. It's been a while since we spoke to him, so it's always good to chat with our good friends. Reverend Harrison, as always, old friend, thank you very much for being with us. And my spider sense tells me we'll be talking again real soon. Uh, I think so. Thank you, Abdul. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.